Hey everyone, welcome to Rolling Hills Online. Wherever you are in the world, we're glad that you're joining us today. In addition to our online campus, we have two physical locations in Franklin and Nolensville. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you in person. If this is your first time joining us, we would like to invite you to check out our new here page at rollinghillscommunity.org. Here, you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, and what to expect when worshiping with us. If you've been with us before and want to find out how to get involved, please visit our Next Steps page. This is where you can learn more about baptism, partnership, missions, community groups, and more. If you're joining us live, we encourage you to jump into our chat. This is a great way to connect with our online community and further discuss today's message. In addition to the chat feature, you will find today's sermon notes and a link to the Bible so that you can follow along. Have something that you would like for us to pray with you about? Click the prayer request link at the bottom of the page. We would be honored to join you in prayer this week. If you feel called to partner with us financially, you can give online through the giving page of our website. Your support allows us to continue this opportunity to share the message of Christ around the world. So thank you. Again, welcome to Rolling Hills. We hope that you feel at home. you today. I'm so excited about today as we continue our series called For Every Season. If you have your copy of scriptures, you can go ahead and open up Ecclesiastes chapter 4. That's where we're going to land. We're going to talk about the importance of community today. But before we do that, I want to pray for us. Let's pray. Father, may we forever be changed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me give you some context of where we are in Ecclesiastes. Okay, we're looking at the life of, of Solomon, really. He's making some observations on his life. And let me give you, let's go back for a second. Let's see how Solomon started. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse uh, 4. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David his father. So this guy started out really well. He loved the Lord. He loved everything about God. He followed. He was obedient to him. And then God looked at him and said, you know, as a young king, you can ask for whatever you would like, and I will give it to you. Thank you. What, what could a young king possibly ask for? In verse 9 of that chapter says this, Give your servant, therefore, an, understand, an, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? Now, if we stop right there, we would think, man, he lived a, a life that was pleasing to the Lord. He governed people that was pleasing to the Lord. But that's not all the story. We have scripture. We have historical evidence to show us the life of Solomon. And the more he ruled, the more wealth he attained, the more popularity he attained, his faith began to waver, and he began to ignore the very God that gave him authority in the first place. And so he gets to the end of his life, and Ecclesiastes was birthed. Around 935 B.C., the Ecclesiastes, he wrote this book, and he wrote about observations and personal experiences of his life, and he's looking back, and it's almost, you can call it a book of regret, but it's not. But it's almost things he's writing, wish things that he'd wished he'd pursued whenever he was um, living his life. 
It's really a book of truths. And we see two paths that Solomon gives us. The first is a path of chasing the wind. Pursuing things that really don't matter. And then another path of being a godly, having a godly perspective on life. And here's what I believe the big question is for us as we take on this series. It's, are we invested in the right things? If life is but a vapor, we get, we get it throughout Scripture, continues to talk about life being but a vapor. What does our vapor look like at the end of our life? Are we invested in the things that really matter? Are we making an eternal impact I serve on a team called the Family Ministry Team. Very talented group of people. Jen Akers is on the Family Ministry Team. And we serve families from birth to college. It's a big span. But if you've ever been any, in any sort of training with us, if you've been in an event as a parent, you, you understand this phrase. And we've said this over and over again. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. Many of you have maybe a 16-year-old, and they're about ready to drive, and you're like, where did the time go? Last year, we had our firstborn, and her, her name's Kit. Many of you know Kit. And Kit, whenever she was born, she could do nothing. All we did was stare at her. And she ate, she slept, and she pooped. And that's it. And so all we, and now she's almost 10 months old, and she's beginning to stand on her own, which is crazy. And she talks nonstop. I think we're in for something really special here. Uh, I think she's going to be bossy. Um, she talks nonstop in her baby language. And, and whenever we try to feed her, she smacks her hand away because she wants to do it herself. She's really coming into her teenage years, I think. We look at that and we say it's, it's just a phase, don't miss it, because it's reality. Before we know it, we can miss out seasons of our lives if we're not careful. See, here's what I, I think. If we're not careful, we'll glance over seasons of life where God is trying to teach us something very valuable about who He is and what He wants us to do. Uh, I think we treat faith this way. We, we say two phrases, I'll get to it after or if I only. I'll get to it after I make more money. I have a promotion. I'll get to it after the kids are older. If I only had more time, then I would do that. If I only had more, if my, my schedule wasn't so busy, well, let's all agree that our schedules are busy. And I think, I think Solomon came to, this happened to Solomon, it came to a point in his life where he's reflecting back. And see, Solomon, he got so caught up in his world that he forgot about the creator of the world. See, today we begin um, reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we're, we're seeing he's observing this idea of community. What does it mean to live in biblical community? And we're going to have a bigger picture here. We're going we're gonna to read together in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. You can read along with me. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, nor was there an, an end to his toil. His toil means continuous work. Into his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. You see, he's, this is a man who's observing all that he had. He's taken inventory on his life. He had a lot of wealth, big fortune. He had goals, but they were selfish goals. You see, here's what he, he tended to do. He sacrificed family and friends on the altar of work. And looking, he was looking back and saying, man, all of it was from nothing. All of it's meaningless. 
and I, because I have no, no one to share it with. And he got so busy pursuing his wealth that he missed out on genuine community. The man was lonely. See, studies show that one in five Americans have, have persistent loneliness. And we are more connected than any, anybody in the world. We have social media, right? I, I feel like I could say these words, what I'm going to say, and I can walk off the stage and that would be done. Facebook is not real life. You can't have community with 140 characters or less. It doesn't happen. And you have two, two, two ends of the spectrum, right? And let me read the studies. Studies reveal people tend to put their best foot forward while interacting on social media. Anybody agree with that statement? Yeah, there's two ends of the spectrum. You see the beautiful life or you have the person who shares way, way, way too much. We know those people, right? It's like, yep, sitting beside somebody right now. No, I'm kidding. Don't look. Displays of, of emotional weakness, insecurity, or conflicts generally tend to con- be concealed or minimized on social networking sites. It is often difficult, if not impossible, on social media to reveal the qualities that define deep, intimate relationships. While our social media friends offer us a great deal, it is not true a true substitute or even supplement for real-life interactions with others. Amen. Why is community so hard? It's hard work. It takes time to cultivate. And sometimes it gets a little messy. If you came to church this morning and you're visiting and you're looking for the perfect church, this is not it. Because here in this room, there's a bunch of messy people. We love the idea of community. Everybody engaged, involved, and connected How many people, I don't know if you've done this before, I've done it, show up at the back of an auditorium, maybe similar to this, back of a church building, and you're longing for someone to reach out to you, to shake your hand and have more than a two-second conversation with you. You see, we long for community, and when we're outside the bounds of biblical community, there's always something missing. Why? Because we were created in the image of God. Genesis 126 says this, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. He's talking about the plurality of God. We come to understand God by the way of the Trinity. God in three persons. There is Creator God, which is Father. There's Savior God, which is Son, Jesus. And then there's Counselor God, which is the Holy Spirit. Each person is represented in the Godhead. Three in one. The Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Father, and the, Holy, the, the Father and the Son are not the Holy Spirit. They each have unique qualities and distinct features within them. You see, these designations are, um, simp- are not simply an accommodation to help us understand who the Trinity is. God didn't say, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to observe what they're doing, and just to make it simple on them, we're just going to pretend like we're the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not how it worked said, when we, when we created the universe, it will be in a family pattern like us. There will be a Father, there will be a Son, and a Holy Spirit. And when we read the, the words of Solomon, these are not just observations for him. I believe this is a deep longing with inside of him, that something that he's missed out on in his life. So we continue to read. Verse 9. We see the benefits of community. Two are better than one. I guess you have to define who the two are, right? 
If two are better than one, well, who are those two? Scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'm, I'm with them. Does this mean that, that if I'm alone that God's not with me? No, he will never leave us or forsake us. But what it's saying, over time and time throughout Scripture, we see it again and again. There's, there's a special presence of God that comes in the context of biblical community. That's why we champion community groups so much here at Rolling Hills. It's a staple of ours. And if Laura Chapman were here, I would invite her up and I would leave so she can have the stage and tell you more about community groups because she is the person who's champion. If you don't know who Laura Chapman is, by the way, um, you haven't been here long enough. You'll know her soon enough. She's, she loves connecting people and getting people on the journey of being in a community group and growing together. Here's what we believe. In a community group, we believe that there's a special presence of God that happens. I believe in this room that there's more potential, there's more greatness, there's more possibility than you can even imagine. I believe within some of you there's a future marriage that will honor God and that would raise the next generation to be Christ's followers. I believe there's some of you in this room that there's a ministry that's welling up within you that wants to come out, that you're going to make that ministry and it's going to affect people around the world. I believe some of you there's a business and there's a vision for your business to generate lots of revenue to be able to help Carry the gospel around the world. I believe for students, there are students in this room, you have a vision to reach your lost friends at school. Maybe in this room, there's a book that's welling up within you that needs to come out. But here's the problem. So many people are missing one thing. They're missing the right people in their lives. They're missing the right relationships in their lives. You will never do all that God wants you to do without the right people around you. You will never do all that God wants you to do without the right people around you. You see, throughout Scripture, we see that God uses God's people to bring about God's purposes. We see in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper for him. Solomon, two are better than one. In Deuteronomy, how can one man chase a thousand or two put ten thousand to flight? He's not saying two are just doubly better than one. He's saying two is ten times better than one. Then we see how the wrong people can take you in the wrong direction. Paul said bad company corrupts good morals. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the five most dominant people in your life right now. The five people that... that influences your life the most who are those people you show me who the five most dominant people in your life are and I will show you the direction of your life I will show you the potential of your life the course and the destination of your life let's for example your professional career if your five closest buddies work with you and all they do is complain they can't get ahead they hate their job, well, chances are you're going to have a bad attitude and your professional ceiling is going to be minimal. But if you have people around you that, that say, man, I, could, I believe that we can be promoted. I believe that whenever we serve our company, we're serving God. I believe that we need to honor our boss. I believe those people are promotable. And those people, the, you, your professional ceiling goes up. 
Take marriage. You know, take your five closest, closest married friends and um, take five that have messed up marriages. They, they complain about their spouse whenever you go out. They disrespect their husbands or their wives whenever you go out. Well, the path is bleak whenever you have those people around you. But when you have married friends that are, they, they love Christ, they're godly in their relationship, the men are laying down their wives for laying down their, their lives for their wives, as Christ did for the church. And, and the, the women, the, the wives, are coming alongside their husbands saying, God's called us to greatness, and there's a bigger vision for our lives. So guess what? You're on your way to having a great marriage. The same is true with your relationship with God. You hang out with people that make God's word a priority. They're prayer warriors. They love Jesus. They use their gifts to make a difference in the church. Guess what? You have kingdom greatness because of those people around you. For when the right people gather together for the right reasons, God is there and right things happen. See, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 describes what those right relationships tend to look like. He says this, Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If any of them falls down, one can help them up. But pity the one who, anyone who falls and has to help himself, themselves up alone. Also, if two lie together alone, lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep, keep warm alone? This is not talking about a marriage relationship. Typically, you hear this verse in context of a wedding or something like that. It's not talking about that. It's talking about um, having somebody there with you on a long journey. And night comes, darkness hits, it gets cold, and you're there to keep each other warm. Verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What I found interesting, why did he use three strands? I know this has no connection to the Trinity, but it, it sounds kind of cool. We, we see four things. The first thing is when we're in the right relationships, good, you have good return for your labor. We accomplish more for God's kingdom together. Number two, you have support in times of difficulty. How many, time, how many of you have ever had somebody come alongside you in your life whenever you're going through something really tough and they're there to help you through it? We need those people in our lives. Number three is companionship. Number four is a, a defense system. Somebody, people there that will look after us to protect us. The right people help us navigate obstacles and temptations in our lives. They help us overcome a wavering faith. I don't know about you, but man, I've had seasons where my faith is, I feel like it's really strong. And then I have seasons where I feel like I'm wavering. I'm in a difficult season of life and I need somebody to come alongside of me to help me through it. Here's what these, I like to call these kind of relationships. These are heart and soul relationships. Relationships that have heart and soul. There's a story in the Bible of a man named Jonathan. Jonathan had an armor bearer, and he was about ready to go into battle, and he has a conversation with his armor bearer. And it went something like this. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. It may be. There's been times where I go to Courtney, and I have this great idea. I, God wants us to do this, I think. 
Like there's a level of faith and uncertainty, and the armor bearer is hearing this information come, and he's like, man, ah, should I follow? Should I? This is his response. Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am there. I am with you, heart and soul. Wherever you go, I am there with you. You see, this is the type of relationship Solomon is, is describing here. People who are with you, heart and soul. Whenever I'm praying for a miracle, which I do a lot. Whenever I'm praying for a miracle, I don't want to do it alone. I want people with heart and soul, prayer warriors, linking arms with me, shaking up heaven with our combined faith. There's something about togetherness and agreement that shakes up the heart of God. Heart and soul people don't judge your parenting whenever you have a rebellious team. They're people that come alongside of you with grace and mercy and offer godly wisdom and are there in the thick and the thin. People with heart and soul, whenever your marriage is rocky, they're not taking one side or the other because they care about your marriage as one. People with heart and soul aren't people when, who are there when life is convenient. There's another story in Scripture where Moses sends Joshua into battle. And Joshua goes into the battle with the Israelites, and Moses' job was simple. It was to stand up on the mountain and lift his hands high. And as long as his hands were up, the Israelites would win the battle. But if his hands ever came down, they would begin to lose. I don't know if you remember that story or not. So as the day goes on, Moses' hands were up, and the Israelites were winning the battle. But as the day went on, he, he grew tiresome. He grew weary, and his hands began to drop. And God sent heart and soul people to help him. A guy named Aaron and a guy named Ur. H-U-R. What a name. He sent them up to the mountain and what did they do? They held up both hands for him. We need those type of people in our lives to go into battle with us. There's a story I want to share with you about a lady in our church. Her name is Maureen Kelly. Um, Maureen's actually watching right now. Maureen, we love you, sister. Um, here's, I want, to, I want to show this picture. Maureen's in the, in the red. And I want to give you context of where this is happening. This is actually a hair salon. And, um, and I asked Maureen if I could share her story because I think it's a beautiful picture of biblical community that happened with, with Maureen. I've lived my life always trying to put others' needs before my own. It's what I felt to do, felt called to do. My focus has always been the broken because I've been broken at times in many moments, complete despair. God's put a helper in my life to guide, to help, mentor. I never asked, he just knew. Like others, I've never been good at asking. I know this is an issue of pride. In mid-December, I was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. Within the span of two weeks, I went from surgery before the end of the year to multiple scans to x-rays, chemo first, then, then surgery. I was now one of the broken. I've always been able to handle whatever life has handed to me, but this was different. I wasn't sure how to do this. I decided that I needed to be transparent with what was going on. So I began to talk to my circle of friends. I tried to feel in control of something there was no real control of. 
While I haven't asked for help, once again, God knows what I need. After recently joining a community group, which that's, kind of, that's the picture, meeting new friends, the ladies in the group decided that they would take me to all my chemo treatments. I didn't have to ask. They just took care of it. Another set up a meal train. Others had offered to stay with me overnight just in case. A co-worker sends me daily scriptures and, uh, that she hung, hung on to whenever she was going through the treatment. A friend flew down from Wisconsin to care for me. All these ladies shared a very personal, and we can show that, that picture, we shared a personal, beautiful moment in the process with me. I invited them to my head shaving appointment. Each one of them took turns shaving my head as I officially entered into this journey. There were so many tears, hugs, laughter at at this yet sim- that simple yet impactful event for a woman. To be so vulnerable, to be prayed over, all these godly women uh, is something that I will cherish forever. These are just a few examples of how community is needed by everyone. The strong, the broken, the weak, the deserving, the undeserving, the vulnerable. I'm so grateful for my community and, this, and the strength they are giving me. That's powerful. That's what biblical community is all about. You may say, well, I don't have time for it. Well, everybody's busy, right? And here's what I would say to you. You don't have time not to have people praying on your behalf. You don't have time not to be in a group of people that care about your spiritual growth. And here's the bigger perspective here. Let's give a bigger perspective. It would be easy to look at these words and think, how can this benefit me? Community was never meant to just be about me. It was designed to participate in the we. You see, there may be seasons of life where you need a group of people to come around you and take care of you. And there may be seasons of life that you need to be the person to go and, and care for someone else. Last year was a little difficult time for Courtney and I. We, we had a little difficult time with, with Kit's health and where she was physically. And, and there were people that, that gathered around us. The church came around us and took care of us during that season, season so we can get through it. There were times where we just felt like we couldn't get through it. But now that we're coming out of it, we're so thankful that God placed this group of people in our lives to care for us. Ultimately... Our participation in biblical community is less about us than about fulfilling the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think the biggest question that we ask as pastors, Jeff is asking, are we empowering our people Are we empowering our people to make disciples and to be a disciple? To genuinely engage in biblical community? See, discipleship doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. Where you invest in one another. That's part of discipleship. Helping helping one another grow spiritually. Inviting others on that journey. Here's another question I tend to ask. If this place of worship were to go away... 
would the church thrive? Would the church still grow? Do we need this place to grow? To invite others on the journey? You know, there may be a period of time, and I'm not saying I'm not a prophet by any means. But there may be a period of time that what I do, what Jeff does, what Pastor Nick um, does, would be considered hate speech from the stage. We may not be able to do this. I'm not saying that's where we're going, but what if? There were a couple of uh, communist revolutions that happened. There was a Russian revolution and there was a Chinese revolution. The Russian revolution happened in the 1900s. And one of the goals for the Russian revolution and for the revolution's period, communist revolution, is to get rid of the churches. Destroy all the churches. And so in Russia, everything was built around cathedrals and priests. And when those places were destroyed, people didn't know where to turn, and the church died. Because people didn't know how to disciple, people didn't know how to grow, people didn't know how to invest in other people. But in China, it looked different. The ordinary Christian was empowered. So that's what we're kind of asking. Are, are ordinary Christians like you and me, are we empowered? See, in, in China, the Christians knew how to lead others to the Lord and disciple others. When the buildings left, the church was fine. Actually, the church grew from 2 million to 80 million during that period of time. They didn't need a structure. They didn't need the building to grow their faith. People knew how to minister to one another. What if this happened here? What would my response be? Would I be so dependent on the structure and the leaders that I wouldn't know what to do? Here's what I long for. Like we, all the time we see transformation happen here. People are, are giving their lives to Christ and, and people are being discipled. And, and really, I love the picture because it reminds me of the early church. Acts chapter 2. Let me read this to you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And then this is what happens. And the the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Oh, how long for that? Added to their numbers daily, those who are being saved. Here's the big question. I'll be done. Are we invested in the right things? Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service, and we want to encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ, and we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's Word. Again, we are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.